is, well, first of all, the, the great work that this church has done. You've heard a little bit this morning about that. Uh, $42,000 raised to make a difference uh, here in Manitoba in, in, this, in this community, in the core area of Winnipeg, uh, in Zambia and Asia. Absolutely amazing stuff. But we haven't forgotten about our responsibility here in this church. Our responsibility is to take care of that next generation. And so when we ask the question, why cross church? It's because of the next generation. That's why we're here. I want to read to you some fairly shocking statistics. Uh, An Assemblies of God study showed a loss of 66% of their students within one year of high school graduation. 66% of the kids that are graduating uh, leave the church altogether. Um, The Baptist, Southern Baptist Transition Project, estimates that 82% of their youth leave the church after one year of graduation. And the statistics go on. It's shocking. It's surprising. It's extremely alarming. We read on other statistics about the state of the church in North America. Every year, more than 400 churches close their door, while only 100 new churches start up. So you can see that the net effect is, again, extremely alarming. 400 churches close and only 100 churches start. We are in incredible uh, decline right now. We read on further that in the last century, there was a ratio of 27 churches for every 100,000 people. Fast forward 100 years to the year 2000, and I'm not, I don't even know what the statistics are for this past dec- decade, but now we are down to just 11 churches per 100,000 people. You can see that we're in big trouble. And there's reasons for this, which we, I want to discuss this morning. In fact, I want to really help us understand why we do what we do and why we must continue to do what we do here at Cross Church. Now, given the declining numbers and the closures uh, of churches as compared to new church starts, there should have been 3,800 new churches commissioned to keep up the population growth, but it just hasn't happened. So here's the thing. We are quickly, very quickly becoming what the United Nations would call an atheistic country. We used to be called a Christian nation. We can no longer be called a Christian nation today. Now, for some of you who maybe are not familiar with Christianity or maybe you know, haven't, haven't believed yet or you know, don't really know the importance of it, it has huge significance. And I'll explain that in just a, just a bit. But I can, I can tell you why. Why the church is in decline and why we are not doing what we need to do. We find it, folks. We find the answer actually in the Old Testament. And I'd like you to look at this passage of Scripture. How many have heard of the Ten Commandments? You've heard, and just wave at me if you've heard of the Ten Commandments. I just want to make sure you're awake, that's all. Yeah. Yeah, and besides which, it's a little hot in here, so it just, you know, feels good. With the Ten Commandments comes this command, which most people don't know and are unfamiliar with. And if you would read that with me, Deuteronomy 11:19, Teach God's word to your children, talking about it when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. This is a command given by God at the same time that he gave the Ten Commandments. Our responsibility as parents, first of all, is to make sure we pass on to our children 
the faith that has been handed down to us. Does this make sense? Our job is to pass that faith on to the next generation. This video clip that you just saw introduces you to a brand new generation that is absolutely, for, for many people here, is completely foreign, unless you are the age of the kids in the video clip. The question is this. Do we say, oh, well, that's that, you know, that crazy, those, you know, those kids, <laughs> you can't do anything with those kids. They're, they're just, you're just crazy, and they've just got to do what we're doing, otherwise, you know, we haven't got time for them. And, and see, that's been the problem. We have, we have uh, abandoned the kids. We've abandoned our kids, and we just say, you know what? If they don't come and do things my way, our way, then too bad. And so what's happening is kids are just leaving church. They're just saying, ah, I've had enough. Now, this, this passage of Scripture here this morning has within it two critical principles, critical to, to making sure that the church continues to be viable, and not just the church, but our very faith. And so I want to share this with you today because it's something that you, you need to understand if you're going to understand, first of all, what we do in this church and why we have these banquets and why we raise this kind of money? Why is it so important? Well, first of all, God tells us clearly that we have a job to do, and that is to pass on the faith. Our job is to pass on what we've received. And some of us here today have got some amazing stories from our childhood. When we first, when we first believed or when we first started going to Sunday school and we first memorized our first scripture verses, The thing is this, folks, is that it's got to be an ongoing process. And so for this reason, God tells us that our job is to make sure that the next generation catches or receives the faith that was received by us. It amazes me that God entrusts the passing on of the faith to us. It's not in our DNA. We don't hit a sort of a magic age when suddenly a switch goes off in our brain where we think, ah, I'm going to be a Christian now. It doesn't happen. There's no, there's no massive monument on the face of the earth that would point to all of the world to a great God in the universe. There's, there's nothing like that. That would be a, convince the world that there really is a God. We don't have anything like that. There's no angelic visitation that that happens at the moment that you hit puberty and suddenly the angel appears and says, thou shalt worship God, become a Christian. It doesn't happen. The way that the faith is passed on to us, folks, is through the older generation. Through parents in the home and through the older generation in the church. You cannot read your Bible without recognizing that God's plan is to pass the faith on from generation to generation. And it always, to this, it always starts with the older generation engaging the younger generation. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is not an option. If you're a parent, your responsibility is to pass that faith on to your children. I hear people say to me, you know what? Pastor, you know, I don't force my kids to come to church. In fact, um, I'm just going to let my kids make their own decision about their faith. 
Okay, you know, there are people that do that, and that's their philosophy, but I can tell you this, it's not a biblical philosophy. It's, it's simply not from the Scripture. God is very clear that our job as parents is to pass our values on to our kids. We can't just sort of cross our fingers and hope, well, I sure hope my kids become Christians. I sure hope my kids get my faith or understand my faith. It's not going to happen. You have to talk to them about it. You have to talk to them when you're sitting with them and when you're walking along the road and when they lie down at night, you need to tell them the stories. Every opportunity that you get, you need to be passing on to your kids, to that next generation, what it is that you believe. It's a command right out of the Scripture. The Jewish faith, been practiced now for almost 3,500 years, what you'll discover is that what Jewish people do today, they did it 3,000 years ago. They've got yearly festivals to remind everybody of the Jewish faith what God has done for them through the ages. Once a week, they have what they call the Shabbat celebration, or what we would call a Sabbath celebration. And it starts, by the way, not in the temple or the synagogue. It starts in the home. Has anybody seen Fiddler on the Roof? And you remember when poor Tevia, his, he's been delivering the milk from home to home, and all of a sudden the, the horse is, gets injured and is lame, and now poor, poor guy's got to pull the, 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 the cart by himself. The horse gets to have the weekend off. Well, poor for Tevia, he pulls the cart and he delivers his milk. And his wife yells out the door, hurry up, it's almost sundown, it's almost time for Sabbath. And he goes, I know, I know. And he gets home on time, and everybody, all the kids are scurrying to wash up and to get ready for Sabbath, for Shabbat. And then we see the, the ritual. The children standing around the table, the parents at one end of the table, the other looking each other in the eye, and then the mother begins to recite a blessing upon her children. She lights the Shabbat candles, and she starts pronouncing God's blessing upon her children. And the father reminds the children of God's faithfulness to the Jewish people, and particularly to them. This has been a 3,500-year tradition among the Jewish people. And that is how this religion has existed from century to century because an older generation has been commissioned and has taken seriously this responsibility of passing the faith on to the next generation. But guess what? We as Christians are also called to do the same thing. Our job is to pass our faith on to the next generation. You need, to dis you need to sit and discuss with your children what God means to you. That means you've got to tell your kids how you became a Christian and why you became a Christian and what was life like before you became a Christian. And you need to tell your, your kids why it's important to follow the commands of God. Is it because God is some kind of a cosmic party pooper? He doesn't want you to have fun? No, quite the contrary. God wants you to have a great life. That's why he's giving you guidelines and rules so that you will have a great life. But the only way that your kids will understand that is if you pass it on to them. 
And the same goes for church. We have a young generation that's our responsibility to engage. It's our responsibility to pass on to them the faith that was handed down to us. Now listen, this is, this is, this is not an option. It's, it's a command of God. Now can I just say this to you? I became a Christian when I was about eight years old. So I, I particularly remember my early experiences as a young Christian, especially through the, through the late 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. I remember the music. I can, I can sing all those songs off by heart. I love those songs. They have special meaning to me. I remember some of the old hymns. I can re- sing some of those off by heart. Those are the days before we had this. In fact, they didn't even have an overhead projector. We used hymn books, and we learned how to sing our part. And it was fun. It was fun to hear everybody singing their parts and to hear everybody harmonize, and it was great, and church was wonderful. And in our minds, we look back at that time as the golden age of our Christianity. And guess what? Every generation does that. And they think that in order to have a truly spiritual experience, we must sing the songs of our youth in order for us to connect with God. Can I tell you this this morning? I don't want to offend anybody or hurt anybody's feelings or put anybody down. Things change. Times change. New generations rise up. You could say this this morning. You can either carry on with what was near and dear to my heart, or I can take seriously what God says and I can engage that next generation. Folks, this is our responsibility. Some of us have this idea in our heads that we've got to, you know, we stop, don't cater to the young. Well, my Bible tells me I'm supposed to cater to the young. My Bible tells me I'm supposed to reach out to that next generation. You say, well, Pastor, are you saying that you don't care about the old people in the church? Oh, oh, you got that completely wrong. My Bible tells me that the old people in the church have an especially big responsibility. Our responsibility, if you're over 35, our responsibility is to engage that younger generation so that we can pass on to them what it is that we believe. Folks, this is why this is why the lights are down low at church. This is why I'm not standing behind a pulpit. This is why I'm not wearing a suit and tie. Although every time I wear it, I always get compliments. Especially from Gloria. You're so handsome. <laughs> So I can just stay home and wear a suit. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) This is why we have a cafe. This is why we have drums and guitars and play music that engages this generation. I'm going to tell you, the music from the 70s and 80s, Kumbaya, and anybody remember that one? (laughs) And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. You remember that? They're great songs. But guess what? There's a generation that's come up that doesn't, is not, does not know that, is not interested in that, it doesn't ring a bell, it doesn't strike a chord. This church, and I'm just making this clear to everybody right now, 
This church is not about offending or hurting anybody's feelings. That's not what we want to do. But this church is about engaging that next generation. Listen, listen. I want my kids to want to go to church. Did you get that? And I want my grandkids to come to church. No, I don't have any. Don't anybody panic here. Some of you are here today and your kids are not serving God. They're not going to church. And some of you have got grandkids that are not going to church. Let me ask you the question. Would you be prepared to sacrifice a hymn book so that your kids, your grandkids would want to go to church and enjoy going to church and love the music and love engaging? Of course you would. I sat there this morning as we were singing, singing these great songs. I don't, I, I, I'm not getting all the words all the time, not always hitting it right. I've got to make sure I study them. It wasn't like that when I was, when I was 20 or 19 or 18. Man, I knew those words off by heart. I could sing them as good as any gospel singer, so I thought. <laughs> you rode along with me in the car, you'd hear me singing my guts out, but just loving it. I sat there this morning and watched my kids sitting in the front rows, worshiping God. I want to tell you something. You want to make a, a father happy? You want to make a father lift his hands and worship to God? Let him see his children sitting in the front row of church, raising their hands and worshiping God, engaging in a relationship with God. That's what this church is about. That's why we do what we do. Listen, if you want to hear hymns, join the seniors group and sing hymns. But I have a feeling that even Stan and Lil don't want to sing them. I'm telling you, listen, if if you want to hear the music that blessed you when you were a child, go buy a CD and listen to it. But if you want to really be blessed, watch a new generation coming up Choosing to serve God rather than serve the world. Choosing to worship the Lord Jesus Christ rather than engage in activities and relationships that are destructive. Do you hear what I'm saying today? That's what we're about here. And listen, if I hear anybody, anybody leave this church saying, Pastor Ellen doesn't like old people, you know what? Don't come back. Listen to me, I need you, old people. I put myself in that category some days. I need you to help me engage this next generation. I need you to get involved in boot camp. Right now we've got, we've got volunteers over in the community center working with our, our, our young, our young um, preteens teaching them the gospel, teaching them the truth, teaching them the scriptures. We've got in our Sunday school what we call the We College program, where we're teaching young kids all about the Bible, what it stands for, what it means, and what are the commands. That's what we're about. That's why we spend so much time and money and energy in our youth ministry and in our, in our Sunday school program and the kids club program because we believe in the next generation and we believe it's the next generation that is going to be the church. That's why churches are closing down because they have stopped engaging that next generation. So here's the thing. I've got to stand before God someday and give an account. You hear what I'm saying? As a father, I have to stand before God and give an account. And God's going to say, Alan, did you pass on your faith to your children? If you're a parent here today, 
That's a question that God's going to ask you. Because those kids that you have, they're not your kids, they're God's. And you are the stewards. You're the ones responsible to make sure that they get what they need to hear and have. As a pastor, I'm going to have to stand before God, and God's going to ask me the same question. Alan, did you engage that next generation? What am I going to say? What am I going to say? I would like to, God, but uh, some people didn't like the songs we were singing, so we better not, we better not do it anymore. Listen, <laughs> I can't do what I used to do anymore. So for purely selfish and practical reasons, I need this next generation. You hear what I'm saying? Ten years ago, I could work hour after hour putting up tents. I couldn't do this anymore. I cannot do what I used to do. I need that next generation. I was so thrilled that Taryn got her team together and put this all together. Absolutely amazing. But look at this. It's, it's the next generation. This church is committed to seeing the next generation serve God and engage. I was so excited after the, the first night because we had a, a couple of couples sitting here sitting here at the front here, we were talking about them going over to Africa, this next generation going over and serving. Yes, God, that's what this is about. Not just about raising $42,000, but it's about a generation engaging in serving God and doing wild and crazy things for God. I've got to tell you, I love being a youth pastor. I love being a youth pastor. Do you want to know why? Because these young people are so idealistic and so energetic and so excited about serving God. If I said to them, guys, we are going to go walk through fire today, they'd say, yay, when do we get to go? If I said, I want, who wants to sign up to be a martyr? I'll do a pastor. What is a martyr? It means you're going to die for Jesus. Okay, where do I go? when do we do this? There's nothing more exciting than young people who are engaged and on fire for God. But I'm going to tell you, it takes an older generation to inspire, to encourage to fund, to, to get behind them and be the wind beneath their wings. I'm going to tell you, it's, it's our responsibility. I have to say there's, there's some, some older people in our church that I have talked to, and uh, they, they said to me, Alan, whatever you're doing in engaging these kids, don't stop it. Some of you remember, maybe remember uh, Ernie and Mary Crager you know, they're, they're not able to get around anymore, but they used to sit about halfway, halfway through the back here, and we would have the, the band just playing and just belting it out there. And um, one particular Sunday, I, uh, I wanted to pull them aside and talk to them because I wanted to ask them why it is that during this worship time, they had tears streaming down their cheeks. I said, is it, is it the music? You know what they said to me? They say, you know what, we, we, the music is not really our style, it's not, it doesn't really engage us, but when we look at the kids that are sitting in front of us with their hands raised and worshiping God, engaged and in church and not in bed, they say, we can't help but lift our hands and praise to God and say, thank you, Jesus, that these young people are following Christ. That stuck with me. And you know what? Ernie and Mary, who are now in their 90s, are two of the youngest people I have ever known. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Because here's what makes you old. What makes you old is when you stop engaging the next generation. You are as young as you are engaged with that next generation. That's what keeps you young. That's what keeps you alive. That's what keeps you vital. 
pass it on. Pass on the faith. What are we passing on? We've got, to teach, we've got to teach this next generation how to be unselfish. Because look at, by nature, we are self-centered people. How many know that today? How many know that your, your husband is very self-centered? Uh, how many know that your wife is not? <laughs> you, just, you don't think I'm crazy. I'm not going to say that. You're crazy. I, I, no way. No. By nature, we're self-centered. Who's going to teach them not to be self-centered? We do. We pass on the values. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. I am so excited about my kids. I'm not, I'm not bragging here. I'm just, I'm just telling you what the facts are. They love to be in church. They love to be here to serve. And oftentimes, my kids will take the toughest jobs. And when everybody else has gone home, they'll be there to do whatever needs to be done. Uh, and you know what? They don't even think twice about it. They just think that's the way, that's the, way the Dencafs operate. The first one's in, the last one's to leave. It's what we do. And they love it. And I don't know where they're going to spend the rest of their lives, but I can tell you this, any church that they're in, they're going to be a blessing to that pastor in that church. And not only that, but they're going to pass that on to their kids. But it happens because Gloria and I take seriously our responsibility to pass on our faith to our kids. Our kids are in church every Sunday, no matter what. They wouldn't think, Nicholas wouldn't think, a phone to me and say, Dad, can I stay home from church today? He knows what the answer would be. Get your tail in the car right now, or it's the last time you're going to sit on that tail. <laughs> I even make sure that my kids are in youth every Friday night. It's not an option. Unless you're sick or dying, you're, in, you're going to be at, at youth group, and you're going to be hanging out with the kids. Why? Because I'm passing on an important value to them. What is that value? That you as a person need to hang out with Christian kids so that you will continue to serve God even as they serve God. What does that mean? What do I mean by that? I'll tell you very simply. The Bible is clear that you become like the people you hang out with. Did you know that? You hang out with people who don't serve Jesus, then you won't serve Jesus. You hang out with people who love God, then you will love God. It's just a biblical principle. And that's what my responsibility is as a father, to pass that on to my kids. And so my kids are very selective of who they hang out with. Not because they're judging anybody, because they understand that if they're going to follow God, then they need to hang out with others who are following God. What else do I pass on to my kids? I pass on to my kids generosity. They need to give. Jesse, as soon as he got his job, he started tithing. He gave it 10% of his income. It doesn't, he doesn't even think about it anymore. It just becomes second nature. I'm going to tell you this. If we're going to, if we're going to continue to see the, the advancement of the kingdom of God and do the work that we're doing in northern Manitoba and in Chihuahua and in Kitwe and Zambia and in Asia and the Philippines, it's going to, be, it's going to have to come from people who are willing to say, I'm willing to give. I'm going to tell you. We, do you know that not only, not even, not even 25% of this church tithes? It's pretty shocking. That means that the, the, the burden of, of running this church is on the shoulders of about, about 25% of the congregation. Now look at, I, this is between you and God. But I can tell you this, if you teach your kids how to be generous and how to give and how to support the kingdom of God, I'm going to tell you, they will be engaged on a level uh, that will keep them in church for the rest of their life. 
But if you're not generous and you're not giving and you're not passing that on to your kids, your kids will not be generous. In fact, my experience has been this, is that you're either going, moving ahead or you're going backward. There is no such thing as a neutral state. Parents, it's your responsibility to gauge that next generation and make sure your kids are going forward and doing all the things that Jesus has called you to do. It's our responsibility as a church to make sure we're engaging that next generation, encouraging them to do all the things that they're supposed to do. It's our responsibility. As a parent, because I know what some of you are thinking, you know, why are we catering to, that, catering to that next generation? Why do we have to have that loud music? Why do we have to have the lights low? Why, why isn't the pastor wearing a proper suit and a nice tie and a nice white shirt? Why is the pastor preaching from behind a pulpit? I'll tell you why. First of all, there's nothing in the Bible that says I have to do that. How many know that? There's nothing in any of the books of the Bible that says, thou shalt preach behind a pulpit. Thou shalt wear a suit and a tie. Thou shalt have lights bright. Thou shalt use only a pipe organ or a piano if, if you can't find an organ. It doesn't say that anywhere. You know what it does say? God calls us to worship him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Our responsibility, people, is to engage the next generation. I'm not going to look backward. I'm going to look forward to what God wants to do today in the days to come. How many of you know Amazing Grace? Anybody know that song? How many know that that's the song that the disciples sang? Anybody know that? Jesus led them in that chorus. Remember that? Actually, it's not that old. But it's sure a spiritual song, isn't it? Doesn't that melody just really, you just know that that came right from heaven, right? How many know that Amazing Grace, that melody, just, oh, just bagpipes? Mm. Well, I've got to break it to you. It's kind of bad news for some of you. Uh, that, that tune, Amazing Grace, was a great, great barroom melody. Drunken men and women throughout the centuries sang songs in bars to that very melody. And a pastor back a few hundred years ago said, I want to engage the next generation. I want them to sing songs. I want them to sing songs that speak of the glory of God. So you know what they did? They took these barroom tunes. And many of the hymns that you sing today, or that you used to sing, are actually barroom tunes that they sang in bars and saloons, and they just gave them Christian words and engaged a whole generation who now could sing these songs with tunes that they knew and understood. Folks, I believe that this is what God wants us to do. I believe that God has called us to take seriously this business of reaching the next generation. I, uh, I will not apologize for reaching this next generation. I will not compromise the message. I'm not watering it down in any way. We said the very first message in the series, why cross church? Because we preach the cross. And what Jesus did at the cross for us. But it's the old message. 
in new, in new clothes, in a new look, in a new way to engage a new generation. Actually, that's what this weekend has been about. Happy, are you here? I need you to come up here. Happy, yes, my brother. We're brothers from a different mother. Here, look up for those. Is that on? Yeah. Okay, this weekend, we raised funds for the Village of Hope. Dennis and Taryn are going over Burundi. Now listen, this is so amazing. The, at the very core of what we're doing in Burundi is this. We are engaging a new generation. Isn't that it in a nutshell, Dennis? We're engaging a new generation. We're teaching a new generation the truth that will liberate them from darkness, give them hope, give them a future, teach them how to be free of disease, teach them how to be free of poverty, to give them an education, to give them a future and a hope. It's by engaging a new generation. We're doing work in the north for Aboriginal missions, and one of the things that we're doing is we're, we're establishing the Forge College for Aboriginal young people. What are we doing? We're going after the next generation. We're teaching them, training them, preparing them to reach the communities of the north to reach their own people. And you know, if you've been listening to the news or, or read the newspapers, you know how the Aboriginal people have suffered in our, in our province. Some, of, uh, some people are, I'm, I, I'm sad to say, there's some people who, are, who call themselves Christians who are prejudiced against our Aboriginals. But if you only went there and saw for yourself what, what these poor people have been through, God would light a fire in your heart and show you the responsibility that's ours to make sure that this ministry goes forward. Forge School of Ministry and Management, reaching the next generation. Aldwin and Rubina going over to India, to Singapore. I mean, I can't even... They listed about 100 different countries. Yes, well, maybe not 100, but many. They're going over to do what? To drain, train a new generation of pastors to preach the gospel. Happy to Evangeline. We, uh, we had the privilege of going over there. And um, when Happy and Evangeline arrived here, I guess it was Tuesday, we spent, I don't know if it was Tuesday or Wednesday, but we spent hours talking about what it is that they need to do to really make a difference in Zambia. Happy. We came up with a, new, with a new name for the ministry, New Generation Africa. Tell us why it's so important. Uh, first of all, I would love to say, when an older generation failed to solve the problem or failed to raise up a generation, the generation that follows them will suffer the consequences. Yes. And uh, I've seen that back home. Our older generation decided to worship demons rather than the creator, the living God. And that has caused lots of poverty in Africa. Some of us, we may not understand, but the problems that we are facing today in Africa are spiritual problems. And any problem is caused because of the spiritual aspect.
we found out that Probably 50% of the people in that village in Chihuahua were involved into witchcraft. Did you hear that? 50% of the population. We were faced with this opposition so strongly they would send these children to come and oppose everywhere we do. Because they knew that if we succeed, the, the, the evil spirits will leave. And this is real in the Bible as well. Wherever Jesus Christ went, the demons left. Even the, the, the guys that at the region, when the spirits left, there was some change in the area. The pattern was restored to a new pattern. And we discovered that it's only by raising up a generation, a new generation, a generation that knows Jesus Christ as their personal savior, a generation that has the fear of God, which is the beginning of wisdom. And of course, when they are the Holy Spirit who gives us understanding and the, all the knowledge that we need to see Africa developed by the power of God through Jesus Christ. So whatever we are doing, building the school, we call it, we have preschool, which we call preschool on fire. That means the fire of the Holy Spirit. They are on fire for Jesus. And we also have every day, most of these people that come are young people. They, they, they are high school uh, students, are the ones that come to our every night prayer meeting. And we see them changing. We start to understand that Jesus Christ is the solution to poverty in Africa. Jesus Christ is the solution to AIDS in Africa. If all the people in Africa today have the fear of God, that the families will not be suffering from the disease. I'm affected by it because I live with uh, my niece, my elder brother died with, uh, from the same disease. So it's affecting everyone and we've come to understand Jesus Christ, the fear of the Lord is what's going to raise up our Yes, yes. It's what is going to make a different generation. And I want to say this, I've said this in different places where I've been speaking to Canadians. Elder generation, this nation was founded on the principles of the Bible. And once you take that away, yes. I want to assure you, I'm not a, I'm probably God can use me. Sometimes I prophesy, but this is not a prophecy, but it's something that I've understood. You have to raise up a young generation full of the power of God. That generation will suffer poverty as well. That's right. It's That's a right. spiritual thing. As you who attack them, and many people start dying for me because you've got to train them in the view of the Lord and thought to conquer that commandment that God gave me. So I can say the same. If Canada fails to stand up on the principles of your forefathers, the foundation they laid, and you destroy it completely, the evil spirit will come in, and you, it will start to attack your families, your, your, your children, your grandchildren. So I, I think that message is very true, even back home. That's what we simply do. Raise up a generation a new generation that will stand up for Jesus and they will stand up with the fear of God. So this is what we are doing and thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to come and share uh, what we are doing in Zambia for coming and minister with us. Thank you so much. God bless you, Happy. God bless you. You know, here in North America, you talk about demons and witchcraft and whatever. This is, this is so foreign to our understanding. We don't understand it. Uh, I, I believe that, that we do have that sort of thing happening in Canada, but it's, 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 it's got sophisticated clothing on, so we don't even recognize what it is. We see families falling apart. We see kids caught up in the drug culture. Uh, when we see... Uh, we see the, 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 the breakdown of our culture, our society, the, the sexual promiscuity, 
and, and things that we've never heard of or seen before. Folks, I'm going to tell you, our country is in big trouble. And I'm going to tell you that the answer to our needs here in North America is not more social programs, not more money given to social programs. It's not politicians or politics. The answer still is the local church communicating the love of Jesus to a broken and hurting world. Would you agree with me on that this morning? That is what we have got to do. This is our responsibility. This is our job. And God has called us to pass it on to the next generation. That's why we do what we do. I want to challenge this next, this older generation. Would you take time to bless and encourage that younger generation? The younger generation is looking to you for encouragement, believe it or not. Some older people are intimidated by the younger generation because they don't understand them. Guess what? The younger generation so often is intimidated by the older generation because they don't understand it. I'm going to tell you what the biblical model is. There's no intimidation. It's the older generation reaching out to the younger generation, patting on the back, telling them how much they're loved, encouraging them. Yesterday, our youth group, just there was a line of them that went from that door all the way across there, just crowded in here. They waited on us two nights in a row. They didn't get a paycheck. They didn't, they didn't get anything except a meal and the applause of this grateful, grateful congregation. Folks, this is what we're about here, engaging a new generation. I would invite you to stand with me, please.